Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, everybody. Rick Roberts here. Hope you're having a good one wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Thanks to our Patreon supporter for this episode, Dustin Kreider. Appreciate your support through Patreon. You can find out more about how you can support the podcast through schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Hey, today I've got June Colson here on the podcast. June Colson is a funny gal. I first met her uh, at a CCA conference in 2017. Uh, CCA, if you don't know, that is a Christian Comedy Association. And uh, from there, she met a lot of uh, great people and then eventually took one of, I think, all of my classes, to be honest with you, that I've offered here in Nashville. And it just kept going and going and going. So three years plus in the in the journey here. So we're just going to jump into it. Uh, June and I kind of talk about the Clean Comedy Challenge, which she won this past year. We talk a little bit about the CCA. And then we talk about uh, things she's doing online to write a little more with a shout out to Joe Byers. All right, let's get into it. June Colson. Well, how are we doing there, June? We're doing good. Doing good. Just looking at the, the cloudy Kentucky day today. I know. Enjoying the enjoying the fall weather. Well, I tell you, the first I want to say was the first time we met up was at a CCA conference, or was it in a class before that? I can't remember. I think it was a CCA. It was at a CCA conference, um, 2017. It was your first year as the uh, president of the CCA, and um, God had kind of been working on my heart that that Christian comedy was a direction that I I needed to go, and I was being very. Uh, reluctant and resistant. And then I Googled Christian comedy and the conference was literally an hour from my home. And then it was, um, so I was like, God, it's probably super expensive. So, you know, cause I was just <laughs> a list of excuses and he's like, yeah, it's not that bad. Also it was my uh, birthday weekend. So <laughs> he just kept going, you're going to go, you're going to go. So yeah, I uh, met the amazing Rick Roberts who was running around you know, making magic happen at the CCA for his first uh, conferences as the president. Yeah, now I kind of remember. I think he shot me a Facebook message, maybe even saying, "Hey, I'm thinking about this. Will this be a good thing to come to?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, come check it out." And uh, yeah, so that was that was a fun one. We had a lot of good stuff going on at those conferences, and you got to meet a lot of other people had similar similar goals and similar desires and. Similar talents. So, who were some of the people you met at that first conference where you're like, "Oh, this this person's legit. There's somebody I can talk to and hang out with." And well, uh, when I got there, I was really just kind of shell shocked and like, "God, I, I don't I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm probably they're probably not going to want me here." <laughs> and so, I thought <laughs> I'd just lay low. Um, but you guys slapped this uh, beautiful yellow lanyard on all of the newbies, and so I, I felt like it was either going to be like. Uh, people were going to be kind to me because I was new or they were going to turn and run because I was new. <laughs> so, um, Kay Smith, the first person I met was Kay Smith and she, um, she just grabbed my bag and she just said, okay, you're going to sit with me. You're new and you need friends and let's all sit together. And, and so I, my, my goal of hiding, um, she just completely blew that out of the water. And I sat with, um, Danny successful Simmons, yeah. And Ronnie Wyman, but I thought his name was Wiseman. 
And he really like, it was just one of those things. He was so wise and he was so kind and encouraging and um, was like next year, you know, I want you right now to set this goal that next year that you're going to come on stage and do a joke, you know, that you're going to, you're going to, you know, do that set that as your goal. And, um, oh my gosh, by the time I left Lisa Mills and Kay Dodd had prayed over me. I met Marlo. I met the brights. Um, I, gosh, the list could just go on and, and on. And I, I, w- I was just overwhelmed by the kindness. I remember just driving home from Nashville to my home weeping because I had no idea what God had in store for me, but I knew, I knew that this was a special group of people and it was something now that I just couldn't, I couldn't turn away from. So. That's awesome. Those are all really great people you talked about there. And, and uh, you know, Kay is the ultimate greeter, uh, perfect first person to meet and hang out with. You know, she's just so sweet. And then everybody else has been supportive, too. It's it's interesting because when you come into a situation like that, you definitely don't know what it's like because you've never been there before. And the back of your head, you're always looking for the escape route. You're like, OK, I see those two doors over there and uh, they don't know. I could probably leave and nobody would even know I left. But you have to have those people around you to kind of get that out of your head and get you to stick around, which they did, which is awesome because you went to that conference, you went to other conferences, you started doing some stuff. And then I know you, you know, you took my classes and that's where I got to know you a little bit better. And, uh, you know, it's funny when I teach classes, I can kind of tell people that are going to stick with it and people that aren't because the people that aren't, aren't even doing the homework in the first <laughs> class or anything, but the people that are turning it in and like, Oh, I got, I thought of another one. Can I have, you know, you were one of those people. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I hope she sticks with this because she's, you know, she's got the the energy. Sometimes that wears off pretty quickly for people when you're not around other people that are supporting you and you're just back home in Bowling Green or wherever you might be and you're just by yourself. So what kind of kept the momentum for you while you were not in Nashville, not at a conference, but just doing your thing? Well, I'll tell you what. So right after the CCA, Lisa uh, Mills and Kay Dodd, um, they had this conference called SheCon uh, outside of Atlanta. And so I let, I I met a lot of women who were associated with the Christian comedy association. Um, and then some that weren't, but, um, I, I, they just kind of poured into me spiritually and also, um, you know, as far as comedy was concerned. And I remember, um, I remember Kay Dodd saying, you know, if God calls you into being a, a or a, a surgeon, you don't just go grab a scalpel. Like you need to learn how to do surgery. Ideally. (laughs) Yes. And you came to that conference and uh, you did a little something there. And, um, and I just, you know, I just think you're, you're an excellent teacher. You're just brilliant. And you're able to explain to, especially people like me who (laughs) has no idea what they're doing. Um, you kind of take that scariness out of it and break it down and and, and simplify it. And you did that there. So then my next thing was, okay, so I've got to take, I've got to take his classes. And so just to keep the momentum going was just learning, just finding places. Okay. Where, where will people let me, um, just set in and listen. And then at the second conference, um, Jeff Allen, uh, I ended up meeting him and getting an opportunity to join, a group where he was just an intimate group really that he has in his home. And, and I know you've been to that as well. And um, so then I was just surrounded by it. Like I kept going, I, I feel like they're going to kick me out any moment. because <laughs> These stories they were telling about their, their road gigs and all of these things. And I, and I didn't have that, but it was a place where there were people who, who took me seriously and took the calling on my life seriously. And so, man, that'll, that'll give you a moment because you're right here in Bowling Green. There's not a, big comedy scene. 
you know, I have to drive an hour and well to, you know, I drive an hour and a half to, to get to Jeff's. And, you know, you have, I've had people in my life that it's funny, the people I thought would be like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Were the ones who were like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> and then the people that I went, you know, even with like, I, I was praying to God about even telling my husband, he's a fire chief, you know, things are, um, things are very important to be in order in his life. Right. Or a burn, you know, a building. Right. Right. Him. So I'm like, how do I explain to this man who is very, um, you know, who thinks totally different than I do, that this is what God's calling me to do. And I kept saying, God, he's not going to get it. Like he's not going to get it. And I finally told him and he goes, yeah, I don't get it, (laughs) but I see it. Right. I do see it. And, uh, so that made it a lot less lonely of a journey because someone, you know, for my husband to be supportive, um, was everything to me. And it's, it's ridiculous. He, you know, the events that he goes to, I like, I always glance over and see him and he's smiling and he's laughing. Like he has never heard what I'm saying, which most of the time I think he's not listening to me. But yeah, that's, it's just, it's just continually writing, finding um, people smarter than me. And then now God's kind of giving me um, opportunities for people who were where I was at two years ago. I'm getting to start to pour into people now. And for me, that, that uh, is exciting. And that definitely keeps it going. Yeah. It's nice when you can kind of pass the torch along and all that communication you have with those people that are, you know, behind you timeline wise makes you a better student of your own comedy. Cause I find like even now, 30 years in, if I'm giving advice, I'm thinking it through. I'm like, now, before I tell them this, am I applying this to my current situation? And if I'm not, I better do it. Cause I'm not going to tell them to do something that I'm no longer doing, you know? And so you kind of start analyzing how you progressed and you're like, Oh, well, that's what's worked the most. I need to focus more on that and, and harvest that a little bit more. Yeah. I actually had the opportunity um, just last week with, with uh, somebody I met through a morning writing group that I'm in and she's in Georgia and she's a teacher and she's actually doing um, comedy in her public speaking class. And she's, she's new uh, to the craft and, um, just such a super cool person. But anyway, she messaged me and asked me if I would, um, if I would zoom with her classroom and help the kids punch up some jokes and, oh my gosh, that was so much pressure. <laughs> like, oh, I gotta be witty really quick. Cause I'm someone who has to write it down, look at it, break it down, look at it again. I th- even in your class, there was like a, there was an activity that we did and you gave us like, um, the premise of a joke and we had to write a punchline and you gave us like eight premises uh-huh. and like, you know, 10 minutes to write something. And I just had test anxiety. I was like right back at the freshman and, you know, algebra two or what I kid, I probably was not in algebra two as a freshman (laughs) remedial math in my freshman year. And I was like, Oh no, I have to think fast. But you know, I did, I pulled out the notes that I had from the very first writing class that I had with you. And I just wrote down some basic stuff for myself to remind me how I could help this person. Oh, good punch up that joke, you know, and, and man, that was a, that was a huge help. So, but, but cool to be able to, you know, to talk to these girls that were freshmen in high school and they were really funny. They had some really funny stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, maybe they should be writing for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing this. That's great. Well, um, I was going to ask you too, you did the uh, clean comedy challenge, which, uh, you know, I've promoted on the podcast several times. Uh, Leslie Townsend Norris does a great job just, putting together this uh, 
contest, but it's also kind of a mini conference in itself where you have people come in and do some sessions and teach and some Q&A and all that kind of stuff. But there's stage time every night. There's chances to advance. So um, just for the people who have heard about that but never done it, can you give me a little breakdown of what happens during the day and then talk about how the uh, the contest rolls in the evenings? Uh, and if people don't know, June won it this past year. So congratulations to you on that. But, but what would people expect if they attend one of those? Um, well, you know, this year was uh, a little different format than what she typically, what she typically does. Um, I actually went the year before and, uh, observed the, the competition and one, because I had a lot of friends who were going to be in it. So I wanted to be there and cheer them on. And, and I was really considering doing the competition. Um, so I got to watch it and, I, and the typical format, I believe is they have two nights, uh, or actually three nights of, um, performances. Um, and then on the third night is when they do the, you know, the, the finalist or whatever, get to perform an extra, uh, time and they vote, but because of the COVID and everything that was going on, um, we were only able to have two days, uh, at the venue. So, um, basically throughout the day, um, you've got different people this year. Uh, we have Robert G. Lee, um, and Bob Zaney and Joby Sad, um, spoke to us. And then also Andy Freeman, the uh, producer of the Huckabee show, um, who I think is one of the funniest people. Oh my gosh. He's one of the kindest and funniest people ever. He's one of my favorite people for sure. Is he not? And his wife was there and I just absolutely fell in love with them. I'm like, I just want to go hang out, you know, at their house for a day. That might be off putting, I guess if I just showed up on their lawn, <laughs> but anyway, back to what you asked me. Um, so throughout the day, you know, these, these, people will these veterans of comedy and, and, uh, different, you know, uh, areas in comedy are there to just, you know, do like a mini conference. Like you said, you know, you're just kind of learning from their ups and downs and, um, and just getting great advice from them. And then, uh, for us that we performed, um, on Friday night. And then when we came in on Saturday, then you had, uh, a, a mini conference basically then, and then you went into separate rooms and you received critique from the judges. So um, we went into one room where Bob Zaney and Joby Sad was, and then you were, you know, ushered over to the next room and it was um, Andy Freeman and Robert G. Lee. So uh, from there you get, you know, real, um, just real advice on what they saw you do from your stage presence to your material and delivery and, you know, all of that. So. Um, so yeah, the <laughs> Bob Zaney, he, he was funny. Joby probably did the most um, critique in that room. And then Bob Zaney said, uh, you're from Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I was like, yes, sir. And he said, um, well, I would say it was Bowling Alley, but they thought it was too redneck. So we call it Bowling Green. <laughs> and that was his advice for me. So let me tell you, when I made it into the finals, when I did yeah. my final performance, you better believe I opened with that. Whether I thought that was funny or not, <laughs> he was one of the judges. <laughs> and that's what he said. And I went, okay, you know, this is this is what we're going to do. Because technically, you know, when you perform four times, you have to have four openers. You know, every time you go on, you're, and I think uh, an opener has always been my, like, kind of hang up. And then I'm like, oh man, I got to come up with four. And I'm like, God, what do I do? And then he went, well, Bob Zaney just gave you one. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went with it. Now that's a real benefit of those multiple night contests because you do need to have the opener, the closer, and there's that 
mental gymnastics of I got to save my strongest stuff for last, but not all of it because I got to get to the last night. So you have to kind of portion it out to where you're you're showing that you're funnier every night, but you can't you can't lay off too early or else you don't get there. Yes. It, it reminded me of the days that my, my son played baseball, you know, and watching how they were strategic with the pitcher, you know, and it's like, oh, but we got to get to the last game, but we don't want to pitch it out here, you know, and it really was like trying to, um, trying to figure out what to present. Um, you know, I did have a, a, a veteran comedian give me advice previous to the competition about making sure that I did some of my um, hot dog material. You know, my dad's name is hot dog right? and he drives an El Camino and, you know, all that stuff. So. Um, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I was given was that, you know, regardless if you win or you don't win or whatever, you have an opportunity to present what you can do and you want to leave them with something that's unique that no one else is going to do on stage. And, you know, this comedian said, you, it, it's hot dog for you. It's, it's always hot dog. No one else has right, right. You know, that material. And it's funny because it is so extreme. My family is so crazy and off the chain, you know, like we have a privacy fence built out of pallets. Like that's what my daddy has. Right. And it's, it's, you know, it's, we're not like everybody else. And the first night Andy Freeman walked up to me and his first question was, now how much of that is comedic exaggeration? <laughs> and I'm like, it's my family. I swear. I've had, I've had comedians give me advice to change names because my brother is Dewey and my sister's Bobby Joe. And then I just got a new sister last year, thanks to some genetic testing. And her name is Leslie. And, you know, but they told me now Bobby Joe, Dewey, my sister's husband's name is Gibby, Gibby Gilbert. Yeah. Right. And they're like, you should probably like, it's not real believable. <laughs> right. like, it's really my family. You're like, I have to de-emphasize how crazy they are. I'm I'm not sweetening any of this, man. I got to put some salt in this to make it. Exactly. I, I have to downplay it a little. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, the contest is great for a lot of reasons you mentioned. You get to work yeah. with some industry professionals on the producing side. You get to work with some comics that have done it for 30 plus years and have had success. Uh, you know, Robert G. Lee's done stuff with TV and movies and oh, written yeah. screenplays and books. And Bob Zaney's was one of Bob and Tom's biggest uh, contributors forever and ever and, and all kinds of things. So you get some real real life experience and some some suggestions from those folks, which, you know, right. the people that I've seen that have done well have, have at least listened and, and applied some of the advice they've got. But I've also seen people go there, get the advice and not change a single word. And, you know, I, I, that frustrates me for the people who want to go to a competition to win it, but not to learn anything. So I think if you if you learn anything there is a good chance of winning. But if you don't learn anything, you're just, you're not leaving any better than you came in. And I've seen people right. do multiple competitions year after year with the same set, not changing anything. And it just drives me nuts. Well, I think Leslie does a fantastic job of bringing in people with just, with true credibility who really do have a, a an interest in seeing, you know, people grow in their talents and their ability. I think she's, a lot of people that I've seen have gone through the clean comedy challenge that I just have a lot of respect for. And, and because she put so much effort into it and because it's so important to her and, and Joby, you know, it's been a launching pad for a lot of people to just get serious mm -hmm. and, and really do something and, and just learn nowhere else. Bob, Bob Zaney's not coming to Bowling Green to come talk to me and tell me how I can, you know, improve myself. I mean, I sent him a message, but he never replied. So, well, I also know that you, um, you take part in some of the online opportunities that are available to comics. And Joel Byers has been on the show before a couple of times. Uh, great guy over in Atlanta who puts together this Write 10 Club, 
where basically you log on, I think it's 9 a.m. Central Time, and you know you can search them on Facebook, Hot Breath Podcast, but but they have a word of the day. You got 10 minutes to write. Uh, you post a joke or two that you wrote into the comment section on Facebook. People like it to give it a vote, and then at the end of the day, there's a winner, and I see your name popping up on there quite a bit. And uh, it's a fun exercise. I've done it once uh, recently, just kind of poke in there and see what was going on. And uh, it's really cool. And he's got quite a group of participants that jump in there every day. And some people, you can just tell, like, this is the best opportunity they have because they might live, like you say, out in the middle of nowhere and the clubs aren't popping right now and no audiences are gathering. So when you can impress, not that it's important to impress other comedians with your writing, but but when you can have the joke of the day amongst 100 plus people who are trying to do the same thing, it's a great little testing ground. I've seen some great jokes posted. Almost all the winners are jokes. I'm like, oh, man, that is something. I, I would I wish I would have wrote that, you know. So other than what I've told people about it, what do you like about the Right 10 Club? And how would you, if somebody's never done it, what would be your advice for them to get involved with it? Well, it's interesting because I, I had heard about Joel Byers after you interviewed him. So when I, would, uh, when I first uh, got into comedy, um, you know, that learning curve, I knew I wanted to, to try and, I hate to say flatten the curve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> used to, that would have been okay to say, but now I'm like, ah, whatever. I don't want to hear that phrase again. Yeah. But, um, I would listen, I would, uh, I just went back and started listening to, um, you know, all of your podcasts and trying to just learn from, um, uh, gosh, when you, when you messaged me about being on this podcast, it just brought tears to my eyes. Cause oh. I like, Lord, you know, because one of the first prayers I had was God, I don't know how to do this. I don't, there's no one here doing this, you know, but when he calls you into something, that's, he's not worried about that. You know, that's me as a human, uh, concerned about how to make it happen, you know? And so one of the, one of the, you know, tools that I was given was your podcast. So I heard about Joel on that, you had interviewed him. And, um, so then I went over and kind of listened to his podcast. Well, then early on when things started to shut down, I saw him pop on live on Facebook and it was like eight people. And he just was like, Hey, you know, while we're down, let's do this, you know, thinking it'd be like a week or two. Um, it's now been over 200 episodes, 200 mornings. Yeah. You've had one word of a day. So it was just a few of us doing it. Now it's, it's international. There are people in India and Russia and Australia and Canada, like every morning. And I've done a few of their open mics, virtual open mics. And it's crazy because I'm telling jokes to someone who's sitting in a room in India and someone who's sitting somewhere in Australia. And what's interesting is like, sometimes the question is, okay, if I did this in the United States, what store would I use? You know what they could change, but basically I'm a storyteller. And so one liners, um, I just kind of had it in my head that I'm not very good at that, but I'd never really applied myself to doing that. Well, the, the joke of the day that typically wins is a really tight one liner. And so, um, so basically, yeah, he'll, he'll throw out a word and then he starts a timer and you have 10 minutes to write a joke on that word. And you know, it's not all magic, but, <laughs> but it, it's made me think quicker. It's helped me, um, with word economy. Um, it's got that stigma out of my head that, Oh, I can't do, you know, one-liners. I'm not good at that. I'm a storyteller, but you know, the best stories have some really good one-liners in them, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. So, um, so now it's uh, branched off into, um, he does like a, a writing competition each month and you do a 90 minute uh, little bit on a, an emotion and they send you the emotion. And um, I did October's or no September's, I'm sorry. I did September's and the uh, emotion was love. And so I just did 90 seconds on uh, basically love advice that Mo and Hot Dog have given me, right? <laughs> and so um, I ended up being a finalist, one of the, so you get three finalists and then it's played on his um, uh, Facebook Live or whatever and then the group votes. And But I, I've made some connection. It's given me that opportunity, like I said, to, to speak in a Zoom classroom and, and get to be a part of, you know, some young kids starting to find interesting comedy and and uh, yeah, so that's why I like it really. It's just, it's kept me disciplined. And then also in a time that was just so, um, it felt like just there's nothing to do in comedy. It was just a consistent reason to get up every morning and write something. And now I've realized looking back at those jokes, those one-liners, they're, they're really premises. Mm-hmm. And so now I've realized going back and looking at, oh, wow, that's a, actually a really good premise. I should, you know, build on that. So I'm trying to write a little bit more on some of the one-liners. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you can always build off of it. If if something gets a laugh once, there's more to explore for sure. And so the initial punchline could just be the setup. And I, an exercise I like to try once in a while is, is take a good, strong punchline and move it to the setup and see what I can do with it from there. Because if you've got a really, really interesting setup – then it can go, you know, really nicely in the punchline somewhere else. But it doesn't always work, but it's one way to kind of make make your whole act stronger by replacing your setup with the punchline and seeing where that leads. So that's cool you noticed that. And if uh, people want to follow you now, where's the best place for them to go? It's just, it's June Colson Comedy. Okay. Dot com. And then um, it's same thing. I've got June Colson Comedy on uh, Facebook. Well, it was great catching up with you. I'll send everybody to your social so they can follow you and just keep up the good work. Hey, Rick, it beyond an honor and a pleasure for you to have invited me on here. You're amazing and you do so much for just the comedy community. And um, I just don't even, there's just no way you could realize the impact that that you had on my life and my walk and my calling. So I just uh, hope God continues to bless you and your family and and thank you for letting me be on here. It was huge for me. Oh, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Hope you enjoyed the interview with June Coulson. A breath of fresh air right there. And uh, happy to know her. Happy to be part of her journey. And she's just going to keep on going. She's got all kinds of things uh, down the road for her, I can tell already. So uh, always good checking in with the former student. But even more important, checking in with good people doing good things. Hey, we talked about Joel Byers on the podcast. You can go back and listen to the episode with Joel Byers, episode 154, where Joel and I talk about the all things comedy. And you can find him on Facebook, too. Just search Hot Breath or Write 10 Club, and he should pop up somewhere. If none of that works, you can go to joelbyerscomedy.com, and I'm sure he links to everything off of that website. I did want to say a quick thanks to the 10 of you who signed up for the virtual performance class. Uh, we were stacked top to bottom. Everybody did a great job. And I just want to encourage you to keep on writing and keep on doing whatever you can. I mean, we did the performance class on Zoom and things were still funny. And let me tell you, if it's funny on Zoom, it's probably going to rock in a real environment with other people who aren't taking a class, making mental notes and uh, and all that while you're performing. So everybody got good laughs on that. Just want you to keep it up. 
Also, just a reminder, I'm available for coaching calls. You can email me about that for sure, schooloflaughs at gmail.com. But I've had some interest in that. I've got uh, several people where I check in uh, with them on different things, and people are like, what happens on a coaching call anyway? And you know what? A lot of different things can happen. For example, some people check in and just want to go through their material and see where they can punch things up. Other people want me to kind of look at their video of a performance with them and as the performance goes on, we watch it through a screen share. I can pause it, offer up insights on what I would do differently or maybe suggestions on what they could do to improve it or to make it more clear. I can also do those video reviews as part of your coaching calls, but have you not present. If you want me to just watch the video, make comments in the corner of my video and send that back to you where you're seeing me in the corner, kind of like a director's cut, uh, helping you with your stand-up act. I can do that too. All kinds of things available to you on those coaching calls. If that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, uh, just shoot me an email. I'll send you back some more information. Schooloflabs at gmail.com and put coaching calls info in the subject line. All right, it's going to do it. Thank you guys very much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Stay safe and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.